listeners to episode 24 of the Empty Rooms of Gorsky Manor. This is tale three with Harry, looking for the things in the corners of Gorsky Manor. Harry and I sat alone in the old back room, table empty of the ghosts that had channeled the runes in an insightful seance, leading us to an epiphany. It is now time to play, time to play here within the manor walls. But still... Did you change the child to a bat? This had been whispered by one of the ghosts, a tone of scolding in their voice. What? I had asked, confused, yet feeling immediately deeply guilty, for I knew of what they spoke. The tale had been changed by me, not out of malice or superiority, but out of lack of understanding, not seeing what the real guidance and explanation meant. That would eventually be made clear. You know. You now. Yes, I did. They had not requested an explanation, only my confirmation of understanding. No apology needed. A deep lesson to be honored and not repeated in the future. So there we sat, Harry and I, Alone at the table of seven, only one candle still full of wax to offer some light. I couldn't look Harry in the eye. How could I do this? I know better. This unsightly faux pas caused by insecurities, trying to make something better thinking I could make the tale more interesting. But no. Voice broke the silence. Pale green moon drawn down by two. Her first image, shared and true, was a child with wants of play. Not a bat has spoken today. Your purpose, a change to the tale, innocent yet untrue, always accept what be shared, the meaning then unclear will always Come to be known, for it is not yours to improve. I looked down to Shirley, who hung upon the chain around my neck. Her eye met mine. 
Sorry, I whispered to her. She gave me a knowing wink, which immediately made me feel much, much better. There are many portals in the manor, Harry stated with a mysterious flare. All is now good. Ready for the next adventure? Come, let me show you. We walked to one shadowy corner. There, within the space where both walls met, was a large crack. Pointing to the crack, Harry said, You must keep your eyes open for these. These spots, for they can take you wherever you need to go. We search for your Ouija board. This could be the way. He explained as he touched the crack and his fingers disappeared within. Oh, I remember a room like this in the manor. It led to the dreaming tree of the crows at the edge of the world. My, I have never been there. You must show me the way someday, he responded with genuine interest. Motioning me to enter the crack, which was not very big at all. You first, my dear. It will take you to the right place. Then I will follow. All right, I agreed. And with a steadying swallow, I stretched my hand out in front of me and watched it disappear. I looked back to Harry, who nodded encouragement. All was fine, and I forged inward. I found myself in a basement, a place I immediately knew, the basement of my childhood. I stood in shadows, trying to get centered and focused as to what was happening. I looked around for Harry, but I could not see him. I looked down at Shirley. She was still with me, but appeared to be asleep. I saw the checkerboard floor my father had painted, gold and brown. The old couch there, in front of the portable TV on a shelf, and Uncle Casey's oriental rug that had given me impetigo from crawling around on its ancient fibers. The broken player piano, there against the far wall that only had played once, and the old oil tank in the corner. I saw candlelight flicker from behind the furnace. I moved to peek through the crack between the chimney and the cellar wall, getting there smoothly, but having no sense of walking. What I saw was me, my Ouija board on the floor, 
between 13-year-old me and my friend Anna Marie. I gasped at this sight and covered my mouth as they stopped talking to listen. What was that? My 13-year-old self whispered as they looked at each other with excitement in their eyes. Where are you? Anna called. I could see by their movements they didn't expect to get an answer. This brought on some nervous giggles as they returned their hands to the planchette upon my Ouija board. You ask the next question, my young self said to Anna. She contemplated her question, then with great seriousness stated, Harry, when did you die? Quickly, the planchette began to move. The girls did not appear as amazed with the movement as I was. I knew they, we, had already had so many of these conversations before this time. I wanted to see the board more closely. Trying to be very quiet, I pushed myself through the crack. Once through, I stopped for a moment, realizing that I just did that. Obviously, I must now be a spirit. As I had stopped being able to squeeze through that crack at seven years old. This was so very interesting and exciting. Me, on the other side. Could I speak with them? With me? I flowed along the furnace, my movements making me think of shadow, until I was behind Anna, and I could look down on the board over her shoulder. As I came closer, I saw her shiver. <gasps> was that me? Did I cause that reaction? One, three, six, nine, thirteen, sixty-nine. Anna read as the planchette quickly slid across the numbers of the board. This was the year that Harry died. Oh! Oh! The girls squealed together with delight and wrote down this info into a notebook. I didn't remember keeping a notebook, but I am a voracious note-taker. I'm sure I would have kept one. I wonder what happened to it. Probably my mother threw it away. How did you die? She next questioned. The planchette immediately began to move. H A N G E D Hanged? Hanged. That's Harry, I thought. They are talking to Harry. I looked around, thinking I should be able to see him somewhere. Why? Why were you hanged? My young self asked. The planchette did not move this time. Yet finally it did. It moved an inch, then paused. Another little jerk, 
and stopped. I was very interested as to what Harry might share, as he had not confided the reason he was hanged with me. What will he share here, here in the past? The planchette moved slowly, more little jerks, and then smoothly flowed quickly down to goodbye. Oh, oh, he doesn't oh. want to tell us. That's disappointing. Anna! My mother called from the top of the stairs. Time to go home. Do you have a candle on down there? I told you, no candles. And with that, she slammed the basement door hard to emphasize her demand. Maybe we could go in the garage next time. Or maybe the woods, so she doesn't smell the candle, my younger self said. And with that, they both left, placing the board safely upon a shelf. I watched them go up the stairs, my eyes unable to leave the sight of me, thirteen-year-old me, there, right in front of my eyes. I would never have thought of this back then. And even to see Anna again, we have not stayed in contact, and it has been decades since I even thought of her. I slowly walked around my childhood basement. I was impressed that I could smell. The odors were familiar, yet very foreign. So this is what our home smelled like. It was always interesting to me to walk into someone's home and their scent so strong within the boundaries of their domain. Yet it was not easy to catch one's own scent, only at times when one had been away for a while. With a jolt from the knowing, I remembered the hearsay of a supposed little boy that was said to have died in my brother's attic bedroom. My brother claimed he had heard him, as did my sister. Doorknobs rattling, footsteps along the hall, but I had never heard or even felt him. Could I go up there now in this state of being? and see if I can find him? Well, try it, I told myself. Then again, I wondered where was Harry. He said he was right behind me. I called out to him, Harry! Harry! Harry Gorski! I listened and looked around, but felt nothing. I had a creepy feeling. Could I get stuck here? Maybe I am that ghost my siblings heard. Oh, that didn't make me feel very good. I don't, I don't know how I got here or how to get back. Panic began to grow. Oh, how I wish Simon and Feathers were here. Why have they not yet returned to join us? I miss their companionship. Harry! I yelled to the ether, You better come get me soon. 
I tapped on his top hat that I still wore. I should think he would want it back. I do love a top hat, having a collection of them myself. I took his hat off my head to get a closer look at it. Very nicely made of a brushed material with a band of velvet. I wondered if it could be beaver skin. I was in an antique shop once and saw an old tattered top hat upon a shelf with so many forgotten things. I was so drawn to buy it, but my intuition said no. Something would follow it home with me if I bought it. An amber stud was fastened to the band. I had not noticed it before. I walked to a mirror in my mother's laundry room and placing it back upon my head, took a good look at me. I was surprised to see my reflection. I felt it a good sign as I was not a vampire or ghoulish looking, just one of those spirits that can be seen in the mirror. Suddenly standing there behind you, giving you an unexpected scare. I gave myself a little scary growl, watching for any transformation, but no, just me. I did glance quickly behind me into the shadows of the basement, feeling a little chill as I always did down here alone. Looking and hoping to see Harry, I closed my eyes to listen. But all was quiet. All was still, yet his hat pulled me out of this sudden melancholy. Looking back into the mirror, hmm, I did look rather nice with it upon my head. Makes me feel beautiful Top hat on my head Makes me feel fine Top hat on my head Makes me feel so wonderful Top hat on my head Makes me feel alive When I look around All I see is clothes so tight Melting to the ground Please don't look away Top hat on my head Makes me feel beautiful Top hat on my head Makes me feel fine Top hat on my head Makes me feel so wonderful Top hat on my head Makes me feel alive In an endless crowd Just another unknown face
success from the request I had sent out into the universe, asking for Harry to come to me, I started up the basement stairs. With each step, I felt more confident, more in control. I was doing something. I reached the landing and took the final turn of three steps into the kitchen. All was clear. No live humans here. The cooking supper was intoxicating. Baked chicken, and was that an apple pie in the alchemy of these scents? My mother had been a wonderful cook. I often say, I miss being taken care of by a mother. My task now. From the kitchen, I flowed into the center hall. All rooms encircled it. I squelched the urge to peek into my room, but felt it was not right for some reason. I continued on my upward climb up the stairs to the attic and my brother's bedroom. The stairs were not carpeted, and I stopped in shock as I stepped on the first stair and it squeaked. Oh, how exciting! I am finding my ghostly skills, the things I can do. I love the synchronicity of that word, things. We are on the adventure to discover the things in the corners of Gorsky Manor. Oh, gotta love a synchronicity and those intoxicating moments of realization. I took the attic stairs two at a time to minimize the creaking and slowly approached my brother's room. His door was closed as usual, not wanting any interruptions. I placed my ear against the door and listened. I could hear him humming inside, probably working on a monster model that lined his shelves. I tried to touch the door handle but my hand went right through it. I guess I didn't have that skill. I tried again, but still no luck. How did that little ghost boy do it? Taking a breath of resolve, I stuck my head right through the door. (gasps) I did it. And the momentum sent me tumbling fully through it to land upon the carpet. 
Now, that always bothers me about ghosts. They can pass through walls, yet they can solidly walk upstairs and over the floors. It is true I am doing it. I should think they would have fallen straight down to the ground. My brother did not notice me and continued his intense work on his model. I looked to see him painting the swamp thing, a favorite of mine. And another thing. The room was actually stinky with the smell of glue and paint. It started to turn my stomach as it always did. So I continued into his closet, through his hanging clothes, and through the back wall into the empty little space behind it. We had dug a hole in that wall to see what or who might be buried within, hoping for treasure, excited and scared for a dead body. But nothing was found except us by our dad when our sister tattled on us. I sat on the floor in the center of this hidden space, finding unusual comfort in the quiet darkness. I briskly rubbed my hands together, which I could feel, and held them outwards, my spiritual antennas. There was no need to close my eyes as no light penetrated into this cozy little nook. I called gently to the boy, chanting the runes that I knew offered their assistance to make this connection. Othala, Ansus, Isa, Lagas, I shared my life breath as I still breathed. I whispered the words, called to him, sharing my name. All this I did, my energy still here, as I did live within this home for a time. And I waited. Patient. Patience so needed with the spiritual. Then I heard the doorknob of the closet door rattle. I heard my brother's chair scrape along the floor as he got up, and his footsteps as he slowly walked to the closet door. My first thought was, it's him. The boy has heard me. I stood up and slowly peeked into the closet. I could see the bright light that outlined the door. But more, I could see a small shadow in front of it, hand upon the doorknob. I watched as he giggled and rattled the doorknob again. I could hear my brother gasp and step loudly backwards in shock. The little shadow giggled again. I saw him stick his head out to the door, seemingly enjoying his mischief. I heard my brother say, Who's there? Trying to be brave. Why do we say that in these situations? They never answer. Do we really want them to? Hey, I whispered, reaching out to touch the little boy's shoulder. 
which I was amazed felt solid. This time he was shocked and gave a shriek, pulling away from me and fully into the bedroom. I followed him quickly, both of us passing through my standing brother, who visibly shivered yet continued towards the closet. Out of the bedroom I followed the little ghost, down the hall and into the attic. He leapt behind some boxes, disappearing from my view. Don't be afraid, I called with a sweet sing-song voice. It's just me. You know me. I won't hurt you. I sure could use some help here, I thought. Darn you, Harry, where are you? But this time, no one read my thoughts. I was alone. It was up to me to figure this one out. Little boy, I said, trying to sound motherly. You can come out this minute. Come out. I am here to help you. Please, come out. I heard some shuffling and a sniffle. Then finally he stood up and came out from behind the boxes. I could not see him distinctly. He appeared as a black shadow, but a solid shadow, as when he moved closer, he blocked all that stood behind him. Closer he came, inch by inch, until he stood before me. I felt he might have been six, maybe seven years old. There was a deeper, darker glow to where his eyes should be, for as he looked around, I could see a shift in the blackness, his eyes reflecting a lighter shade of dark. And I could see he felt fear and sadness. I opened my eyes, and immediately he ran to me and hugged me so tight. I hugged him back, rubbing his back and hair. I wondered how long it has been since he's had such a lovely snuggle, so very sad. I thought of the runes within that word, sad. So we low, the rune of the sun and happiness, then the loss of happiness, ansus, knowledge and knowing, Dagaz, the rune of the in-between, neither here nor there. The hourglass, one grain of sand dropping so slowly. S-A-D, sad. We sat down on the wooden floor, still not releasing our embrace. What is your name? I asked him. Christopher he said with a wispy voice. I could see him looking intently up at me, eyes becoming more solid within his misty form. I know you. Yes, you do, I agreed, not feeling a need to explain further. <sighs> you know sadness too, he said with a sigh. That brought a sigh to my lips. Do you want to stay here too? He asked me, looking intently into my eyes. No, 
I said with a strong hug. Do you? He shook his head vigorously. No! He cried, then buried his head into me again. Good! Come with me, I said. I took his hand, and we both made our way back to the basement. As we passed my brother's door, he burst from it, running down the stairs in fright. He cried for my mother as he passed right through us once again, sending a shiver through him and us and bringing forth a burst of cold air. We returned quickly back behind the furnace to where my Ouija board awaited us. I tried to take it down from the shelf, but I could not grasp it, my hands passing right through it. Can you? I asked Christopher, motioning for him to bring down the board. And he could. Easily. He lifted the board and set it on the floor. I was so very thankful for his skill, his ghostly skill. Without me asking, he brought over the candle, and with a pass of his hand, it leapt into life. The flame was huge, tall, and thin. I felt anxious that my mother would smell the smoke. What an odd sensation of the childhood fear of being caught something I have not felt for such a long time. We sat on either side of the board, Christopher putting one misty finger on the planchette, me adding mine, not actually touching it, but trying to keep my energy in the appropriate spot. Now, how did we begin? How did we call to Harry so long ago? All those workings, gone and forgotten, those still within me. We sat for a time in silence, me waiting for insight to come, but to no avail. Taking a deep breath, I decided I will begin as if I'm going on a journey. I rubbed my palms together, still interesting that I could feel me. Then returning my finger to the planchette, I called to the directions. I called to the winds, setting a strong boundary for this portal. I set our intention that only invite the wise and compassionate energies of whom we seek to come forth. All else was not welcome. I drew a few protection runes over myself and Christopher, and taking another deep breath, I began. Harry, Harry Gorski, we invite you to share this time with us. We welcome you, your wisdom and experience. Please come and share this precious moment with us. I looked to Christopher, who was very intent, looking deeply into the planchette. I could see the pin within its center begin to wiggle. I remembered the feeling of the energy as the portal opened at that pinpoint, widening and expanding. Harry, 
Please come, I called into its center. And there he was. It happened so quickly, so easily, all within a split second. I gasped, Harry, as loads of questions rushed through my lips. Where have you been? Why did you leave me? How did I get here? Why am I here? Shh! Is all he said, putting his finger to his lips. The reprimand shocked and embarrassed me. I went silent. He then winked at me and gave me that smile none can resist. He moved behind Christopher and placed his hands on his shoulders. As I watched, Christopher slowly became clearer, firmer, and now so very easy to fully see. Such a cute little boy he was, or had been, yet his eyes still held great sadness for the time he had been here alone. I felt disappointed that my family had not tried to do more for him, even though my mother had brought in a priest to bless the house. His blessing had not released this little soul. Christopher stood up to face Harry. At first I felt concerned our connection would break but I was able to hold it steady. Harry knelt down to look at him. Time to go? He gently asked Christopher. Oh, yes, please. He responded politely. Then Harry took Christopher by the hand, nodded to me. I knew what I needed to do. Goodbye, Christopher. I whispered to him, but his attention was fully focused on Harry. They began to walk away together as I released the planchette, and then they were gone. I sat dumbfounded for a time. Great happiness in my heart for Christopher, for I knew Harry had taken him to the light. But here I sat, alone, Candles still burning, those horrible thoughts creeping back into my awareness. I am now, am I now, stuck here? I looked to the Ouija board, searching for a message, a clue of what to do now. I tried to move the planchette. Hello, I called out. Can someone please give me some assistance? Harry, are you there? All I received was silence. I listened to the house. It projected an unusual silence. I knew my family was upstairs, yet I heard not a voice, not a creak, not even the wind who has never abandoned me. From the ceiling I noticed a large spider slowly spinning its web, downwards, slowly coming closer and closer to the Ouija board, spinning slowly down to land upon the planchette. As it sat there, right upon the window that held the pin, the planchette began to move. 
Slowly and smoothly, it flowed across the board, stopping at the letters O, U, I, J, A, O, U, I, J, A, O, U, I, J, A, and yes and no, very decisive one extreme or the other, nothing in between. Read the runes I heard in my knowing. Yes, always a good place to begin to find understanding and assistance. The letter O, the rune Othala, ancestors, ancestral home. Amazingly, exactly where I now sat, I would not have believed this possible before the manor. Othala, the rune of remembering, so much that happened within these walls, so much that time has now relinquished its hold on me. This first place of disappointment, sadness, loneliness, Yet now the memories changed, smoothed and softened, changed with forgiveness, now yearning for those times now past, through the eyes of what those times should have been, focused on the happy side. The letter U, the rune Urus, those that have passed, now extinct, a symbol of great strength, great open expansions to explore now. As this time will not last forever, Urus also holds the gateways, passageways from here to there. The letter I, the rune Isa, self Comfort within self, reading your library of memories, rest and reflection that grows deep clarity. The letter J, the rune Yira, spiral of time, spiral of endless cycles, each cycle learning from the last, growing, flowing outwards, Dreaming time, nightmare. She did bring me to the back door. And last, A, the rune Ansus, eagerness for new knowledge, knowledges that attract and excite one's true self, keeping you moving on the search, hearing the whispers clearly that others do not hear. All that within these five simple letters. Forgiveness so strong within the message of these runes. Is that why the back door brought me here? Forgiveness on both sides. Me to forgive how I was treated. Me to forgive how I reacted to that treatment. I started to feel a kind of wobble within my core. It began to grow, 
something I had only felt a few times, those moments when something really terrible was about to happen. I so remember that feeling, heart pounding for what was to come. Tremors started in my shoulders, rushing down to my hands. Nothing you can do but endure, a feeling of helplessness and despair. I tried to push it aside. I was truly here with Harry. He had been here just a few minutes ago. He will return, I consoled myself, as that is all one can do. Console thyself in these moments. I noticed something new upon the Ouija board, something black above the yes. It was hard to see, the candle now burning low. I tried to push it away, forgetting it is not for me to touch. I tried to blow it away. No success. I looked closer. It looked like a blemish upon the wood. A keyhole. No, no, a rune hole. The rune Augies. Feathers! I screamed with excitement, knowing her voice, looking around for her beautiful self. Come, mistress! And from above, her form slowly came into view, flying from the unknown into this place of my past. She landed gently upon the Ouija board, our eyes searching each other with deep gladness. You have come, I greeted her and gently touched her beak. She hopped to the black Augie's rune, waiting above the yes of the board. She extended her right foot. She placed it perfectly within the darkness of the rune shape, just as a key might do. This rune keyhole. New magics burst forth from the board. Spirits and sprites, shadows and unknown things all burst forth from an inner place, rushing out into this corner of the basement, hovering, filling up the corner with more and more spirits. Should they be released? Yes. Oh, yes. Harry. What a beautiful spider's web you weave. So much for us to unravel with such things within the corners of Gorsky Manor. Blessings and hugs, dear listeners. <laughs>